Voice in the Wilderness, Internet Radio. Enlightening the world every week. It's not just knowing about the doctrine in the Bible. That is not what we stand for here. Streaming powerful, biblically-based messages live down the This congregation may never be gathered together again as we see it. Voice in the Wilderness, Internet Radio. Enlightening the world every week. Good evening. Welcome to Voice in the Wilderness Internet Radio. We are streaming live on the internet from London. This show is dedicated to God through our Lord Jesus Christ. On tonight's show, we discuss the question, If God exists, then why does he permit so much suffering? We will be answering questions that people commonly ask. Our guest speaker is based in Florida, in the United States of America. More about him after we've had some music. If God exists, then why does he permit so much suffering? 
We will be discussing this question tonight with Elder David Mould, Speaker, Director for Layman for Religious Liberty. Let's see if he's at home. Hey, Brother John, how you doing, man? Yes, good evening, Elder Mould. You're live on Voice in the Wilderness Internet Radio. How are you tonight? I'm live. Yes. I'm live? Yes. Praise okay, the Lord. Brother John. Yes. yes. We're well. We're well. Well, tonight we'll be discussing these questions together. If God is the loving God, then why does he not stop people from dying from wars, fires, floods, and hurricanes? Why does God allow people to be born with sickness and disabilities? Why do wicked people always seem to get away with hurting people? Why does God allow people of color to go through so much suffering? You know, that's one of the questions people ask. And if God exists, then why does he allow poverty? So these are the questions we're going through tonight, Elder Molden. Before we start, would you like to have a word of prayer with us tonight? Of course. Let's... It's, um, if it's at all possible, we just get down here and, and pray together. Yes. Our Heavenly Father, we come to you and to your sacred word and to issues that have been bothering people for a long time, especially the one about suffering. Why is it that good people suffer? Father, we come now and pray, dependent upon you for the biblical answers to these questions. We humbly ask that you would be with us and be with the audience and may that which is said be edifying for them as well as for us. Help us, dear God, to keep our eyes open. Keep our eyes open for the, the footprints, as it were, of our Savior Jesus. We sense the nearness of his coming. Help us to be ready, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, Elder Mould, if God is a loving God, then why does he not stop people dying from wars, fires, floods, and hurricanes? What would you like to share with the audience tonight? Well, I, I think what's important is that the Bible tells us that we live in a sinful world. It was never God's plan for, for sin to enter. He met it, but... The, the negative things that we're talking about are the consequence of sin, the consequence not only of our changed natures from from what our ancestors Adam and Eve were like as they came from the hand of the Creator, but even our planet is suffering under the curse. The, the, the there are things we see in nature, which were, I mean, even we're told even Adam. Adam, when he looked upon the leaves falling from the trees, yes. that he realized this was a result of what he had done, what he and Eve had done. So there are there are elements to our existence here that were never part of his plan. But with sin and the agent of sin, Satan, has come death, decay, destruction. Um, I, I think God allows these things to help us to have a hunger for our planet in its original state, to help us to have a hunger for life without death, 
the, the negative things, the, the wars, the fires, the floods and the hurricanes, um, they're for a season. They're not going to be forever. This world is like a theater, and you and I are not just the observers, we're the participants. Unfortunately, this, this show being played out before us has an end. It has a beginning, and it has an end. Yes. If I might turn to the Word of God, there are a couple of verses that jump out at me. Yes, by all um, means. Do that? Yes, by all means, Elder, by all means. Very good. Um, in Second Peter three thirteen, if if your audience wants to take notes, right. Second um, Peter three thirteen. That's correct. Yes, he expresses the thought this way. He says, "Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness." That's the Christian's hope that this whole sin cursed earth will one day be brought to an end, and that there are new heavens and a new earth coming. Revelation twenty one one. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. There was no more sea. And also, um, I think Second Peter three. I, I forget. Forgive me. I didn't write this one down, but I think it's the one before, just before thirteen. It says, "For the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise." And the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. This is just one more passage in the word of God telling us that what we're seeing around us is temporary. Yes, that's Second the Peter chapter 3, God. verse 10, Elder. Yeah, that's verse 10. Yes, that's, that's right. right. Yes. Thank you. Yes, carry on, so Elder. Pardon me? Yes, carry on, please. Sorry, carry on. And, um, and of course, there is this great promise of Jesus found in John 14. This also comes to my mind, where Jesus himself, and for the, if I'm going too fast, let me just back up a minute. There's Second Peter 3.13, New Heaven, New Earth. Right. Revelation 21.1, New Heaven, New Earth. Second Peter 3.10, that this world that we live in will be burned, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. That's what's coming. Yes. This this theater, this theater of God's grace, this theater which showcases the great controversy between good and evil, has a beginning. It had a beginning in the Garden of Eden, and it will have an end. We're not destined to live like this all the days of our lives. And then the last one here is John 14, 1 to 3. Jesus' lovely promise. And I tell you, it's so good to put the promises of God in our hearts, to memorize yes. them. Jesus himself said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. That's his promise. Physically, literally, yes. I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. So if I might sum up my answer, I would say God permits this sin and suffering to help create in us a hunger for a better world. This is not the end of the story. And he never intended for wars, fires, floods, and hurricanes. But along with sin came, these are the consequences of sin. Never his plan, 
but he gives us grace to live through these things. And yes, praise the Lord, one day soon, I believe, it will all be over, but not before the earth is warned. And I'd like to point out for those of us who are listening who are Christians, we have an absolute duty to warn this planet, not in any fanatical manner or, or being rude to people, not at all, or even judging people, but we have an absolute duty to share the light, share the news that this this world is not my home. May I? I'm just a passing through. It's one of my favorite songs. My yes. treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door. And I can't feel at home in this world. Go on, but this wasn't planned for. That just sprang out of my heart. This world is not our home, not our home, not our final resting place. And if we're Christians, let's warn this planet about what is soon to come. Yes. Elder? Could we go to Revelation chapter 12? Because you mentioned the great controversy, because some of our listeners may not have heard or understood that there's a great controversy. And um, Revelation chapter 12, verse 9, from verses 9 down to um, 12. Revelation 12, yes. absolutely. Yes, from verses 9 to 12, just so that we can share with some of our listeners what the Bible says, so that they can understand why, who is the instigator of the suffering in this world. Yeah. Do you wish me to read it? Yes, please, Elder. Revelation 12, 9 to 12. Yes. And the dragon was cast out. Notice the many names given to this being. He's called a great dragon, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying, In heaven now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And here's the formula for victory, verse 11. Yes. And they overcame him. That overcame Satan, the devil the old serpent, they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. It is as we share this word that we receive strength to go forward. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. Therefore, rejoice, you heavens, and you that dwell in them, Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, for the devil is come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. Many people mock at us, Brother John, because yes. of the reference to the devil. Christianity is mocked, and there are people who are disdained, who think it's a, a mark of immaturity or childishness or stupidity to believe in the existence of the devil. But we believe the word of God. Amen. We believe Jesus' great temptation when Satan tempted him those three times, you know. It's a, it's a being, a fallen angel yes. with tremendous power. But greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world, which is the devil. Amen. 
Now let's move on to our next question here, Elder. Many people ask, why does God allow people to be born with sickness and with disabilities? What would you like to share with our audience about this this thought, this well, sentiment that people have? It, it goes back to the original question. It was never God's plan. Never God's plan for anybody to be born with sickness and disabilities. It's one more fruit that we're living in a sinful world, genetic deformities. I, I think one of the reasons God allows it is that those of us with health might be led to gratitude for the measure of health that we possess. As we look around, some of us might have an infirm brother or sister. We are led to appreciate the measure of health that we have. I'll tell you now, I abused my body with sugar as a child, with sugar. And I have all the symptoms. I, I might actually be diabetic right now. I have all the symptoms of what they, they call it, pre-diabetes. But every time I've had my blood checked, it's fine. But every day that I live, I give God thanks that I'm not blind. I've had a friend who had diabetic retinopathy and it, it drove him blind. But I abused my body. For those of us who, who are listening who may have grown up in Jamaica, um, condensed milk and Ovaltine. I never used to put any water with it. I would just spin it around in the cup and chew on that thing. Right. Condensed milk and Ovaltine, sugar, sugar, sugar. And even after becoming a vegetarian, John, after joining the church and being introduced to the, the original diet given to man, right. I abused sugar then by making shakes, which were peanut butter and banana. And I would pour a half a bottle of honey in there. I was a sugar junkie. And I'm paying the price. I'm paying the price now. I'm 72 years old. I can feel my body breaking down. But by the grace of God, it hasn't yet touched my mind. I'm still going forward. I can also recall Jesus' answer to the question when they saw a blind man and they asked him in John chapter 9, who did sin? This man or his parents? And Jesus answered, neither has this man sinned, nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. And he went on and healed him. So there are people who suffer disabilities, who are placed among us for the glory of God. Now, I grant you that most are never healed, but there are those who have been healed as a result of prayer. I can think of... Um, and I don't, well, maybe I shouldn't call her name. There was a medical doctor who had a um, huge cancerous tumor in her chest. I, I saw the pictures and she, she was brought to the verge of chemotherapy and decided against it. She decided she would go back to what she was taught as a child in church. And she adopted a vegan diet and went on her juicing program Um it was tremendous, the victory she won as her body came back to normalcy. Uh, so some of us have these afflictions that in the end we might give glory to God, right. um, which her cure did, and she has taught the world a lot. Another person who comes to mind is Dr. Ben Carson. Right. Dr. Ben Carson uh, was used, or has been used as a neurosurgeon. Some of the impossibilities that he confronted 
conjoined twins joined at the head. I think he was the first one to perfect the, the, the surgery of separating twins. But Ben Carson was a is a physician who gave glory to God. Yes. And he would pray with families and pray with the patient and testify in the operating room that it was not he that was doing this, that he was dependent upon God. And indeed, this God-fearing man asking God for guidance as to what to do and how to do it testifies to the goodness of God. So we don't know. Some of these people are put in our midst to glorify God and to, to show what Dr. Carson's work does is show us there's a prayer hearing and prayer answering God. I do grant you that perhaps most people never go, never, never, never are brought out of their trauma, but there are those who are. Um, and, and, and another thought that comes to my mind is what if we make it to heaven, Brother John? Yes. And there we see every person whom we ever saw on earth with a disability. What would we say then? What would we say to God if God made a special entrance? Because Paul tells us he's the potter and we are the clay. Yes. How can we, are we going to rise up against the potter and say, why did you make me thus? Why did you make such and such this way? What if God um, chooses to save, everlastingly save, many of those whom we saw with disabilities on earth and perhaps wouldn't, you know, or maybe even scorned. What will we say then if we find them in the kingdom by virtue of special grace of our God? I'd, I'd like to close my answer with the answer found in Romans 11, 33. Yes, yeah, sure. Romans 11, 33. Paul says, oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. You never know if God has allowed these people, number one, to test our character, to develop our character as to how we're going to relate to them and whether in the end, Many of them might not be eternally saved, eternally saved in his kingdom. Many who may never have professed the name of Jesus Christ. As the oh. Apostle Paul tells us, there are many who live the law without hearing or knowing the precepts of the law. We don't know what's coming in this kingdom that's to come. Oh, but God's ways are past finding out. Uh, just know that when we see those born with sicknesses and disabilities, let us give God thanks for our the measure of health that has been granted to us. Let us never scorn one. Let us never look down on those who have disabilities, you know, who may be vegetables as it were, but rather let us look up to God and say, thank you for what I have. Help me to do all that I can to alleviate human suffering. Okay. Elder? Yes, wh sir. Why do wicked people always seem to get away with hurting people you know there's many people that feel a sense of injustice or that injustice always seems to happen to the innocent you know and nothing seems to be done about it this world is not fair it's cruel what would you like to say on this point well i'd like to take people to psalm 37 and look at the way it begins i went through it this morning that psalm 37 there's an answer there um, and, and the wicked people don't always, it may seem as though they always, 
get away with hurting people. Right. But they don't. They don't. Psalm 37. Brother John, why don't you read that for us? If you're there, Psalm 37, 1 and 2. Yes. It reads, Fret not thyself because of evildoers. Neither be envious against the workers of iniquity. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. That's, that's the word of God. Don't fret. And it's David who wrote this psalm. Don't fret when you see the wicked prospering. He could speak from experience. Saul hunted him like a dog. Right. Chased him all over the place. Yet David could write, fret not thyself because of evildoers. Yes. Um, verses 7. Look at verse 7. Yeah, should I read this? Rest in the Lord. Go ahead. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. Verse 9. For evildoers shall be cut off, but those that wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. Verse 10. For yet a little while, and the wicked shall not be. Yea, thou shalt diligently consider his place, and it shall not be. Verses 12 and 13. The wicked plotteth against the just and gnasheth upon him with his teeth. The Lord shall laugh at him, for he seeth that his day is coming. Verse 20. Verse 20. But the wicked shall perish, and the enemies of the Lord shall be as the fat of lambs. They shall consume into smoke, shall they consume away. It's an illusion to think that the wicked always get away with murder. Right. Absolute illusion. According to the word of God, there is a day of reckoning. And many of us, we see it. We see those who have lived um, wickedly. And yet, many die a horrible death. A horrible death. Yes, can I Let's say... Let's continue. Yes, can I, say, can I just say this, please, as well, Elder? Um, you know, there's many people that, even Christians, who are holding grudges, feelings against things that have been done from them, even since childhood, you know, wondering why God has, has never either healed them or has, has really vindicated their case. And, and, um, and so this question and these answers are for those who are listening who are still hurting. So carry on, please, Elder. Yes. Um, I, 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 I could be one of those myself. In fact, there's a newsletter that we put out every Sunday morning, and I, I mentioned one such instance in this morning's newsletter with myself. Yes. Because I went through a period in my life when our ministry was being viciously attacked. All I was trying to do was to get the book, The Great Controversy, advertised in Time magazine. And I don't know how far I should really go on this program, John, but it, 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 for lack of a better phrase, it's as though all Hades burst open upon us. Right. And it came from within the church, within the church. I couldn't understand it. I felt that every member of the church would be as happy as I was to to see the great controversy being advertised in the world's most, certainly one of the most highly respected news weeklies at the time. This was back in 1990. And we took some vicious blows vicious blows. Time magazine was contacted by the leadership of the church and were 
persuaded not to run the ad. Were it not for a little salesman in Atlanta what? who stood to lose his commission because Time Magazine was to get $850,000 for that ad for six pages. I didn't have the first dime, but I was rich in faith back then and decided, okay, Father, if the church is going to be as quiet as it is, I'll go in like Jonathan and his armor bearer. I'll get this thing done myself. That was my attitude and approached Time Magazine and sent the book had to go before their legal department and they've approved it. That meant I had to raise $850,000. But in the process, once certain elements of the church heard that the great controversy was going to be advertised in Time magazine, the slander that I endured wasn't normal, was not normal. The letters were read from just about every church in North America denouncing the campaign. The union new, um, magazines, monthly magazines, one of them in Texas actually carried the headline, fraudulent campaign spurned by church. Right. They were accusing me of fraud. And it hurt. It perplexed me. But I, I and, and I've claimed God's promises. I remember, um, as I indicated in the newsletter this morning, driving up the I-95 from Miami to Orlando and talking to the Lord and basically saying, Lord, am I cursed? Why has all this happened to me? All I was trying to do was advertise the great controversy. This is your church. I wasn't expecting attacks from within the church, you know. Um, but it, it, it perplexed me. But as I was driving up by a place named Titusville on the I-95, it was a four-hour journey from Miami to Orlando, and I was about three hours into it. Now, Brother John, yeah. I was alone in that car. There was no human being in that car beside me. I cannot, in all honesty, tell you I heard a voice because my brain is now rusty. This was in 1994 when I was tallying the losses we had taken, which came to about seven million U.S. dollars. Okay, right. and I heard. I asked the Lord, "Am I cursed?" And I heard. I can't say I heard a voice, whether it was an impression, but the words that came to my heart were, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay. I have been looking for a lump sum from that day, something that would come in to fill up or to take the place of the funds that had been stripped from us. People might call me foolish, but I know God's word. And whether it was a voice or an impression, I know not. I only know that it rested on my heart, those words. And I have been looking ever since for God to fulfill that answer to me. Yes, I was innocent. My motive was pure. Right. To be accused of fraud in print wasn't easy. To be accused of fraud by people from within the church that I'm a part of wasn't easy. Right. And I had to ask the Lord, what is going on here? So you can count me as one of those. It wasn't from childhood. It became as an, as an adult who has been holding on to the promises of God and saying, surely you will vindicate me. Right. This, you know my motive was pure. 
You know what led me to Time Magazine. And you know that the church that I'm a part of erupted with a torrent of lies. As a matter of fact, the, 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 the man who was the salesperson for Time Magazine, I can call his name. His name was Mark Maxwell. Mark, when he saw that he was likely to lose his commission, flew to New York. Right. He came out of that meeting. He met with the top brass of Time Magazine. And he came out of that meeting. And here's what he said to me. David, Mr. Mould, he probably didn't call me David. Time Magazine, apparently they had actually told the church, or they seemed to have told the church, that the ad wouldn't run. He said, Time Magazine says the ad can run. They've dropped the price from 850000 to about six hundred. I think it was, they, they took almost $200,000 off of it. And they said, by the way, to tell you, that what your church just tried to do to you was tantamount to Ford blocking a GM ad. Right. That's what okay. I'm processing. Right. I clung to it, Brother John, to the promises of God. I still haven't seen that outpouring of resources, but I believe by the grace of God, it will yet come. It right. will yet come. Praying for justice from the hands of our God. Yes. Well, Elder, I just would like to... Um, to add to this, in essence, that and um, because I, you know, obviously I know you, and some of our listeners do that um, you speak plainly, and it's the right thing to do at this time, especially as as we're near the end of time. That it's not always in the place you expect that you're going to see wickedness, but the main thing for us, wherever we are, um, wherever injustice is done to us that we can be sure that as long as we're innocent, that God will take matters into his own hands and justice will be done. Can we agree with that? Absolutely. I'll go one step further. There are people who thought that I should have sued the church, right. but I refuse to do that. I refuse to do that, to go to the law, you know, um, because there's a passage in Scripture that says, how dare you, yes. you know, take your brother to the court. Yes. Um, I just trusted God. When God said vengeance is mine, it meant that he would take care of it. Yes. He would take care of it. And that's that's how I've lived ever since. In God's way, in his own time, he will make it plain. There is a verse in Psalm 37 that says, I never read it, verse 6, because it didn't pertain to the question directly. But verse 6, I have claimed this all these years. He, David said, referring to God, shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light and thy judgment as the noonday. Right. In short, God will make it plain, David Moore, what he thinks of you. Fret not. Fret not. He shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light and thy judgment as the noonday. I rest in his promises. Right. Okay, Aldermold. Well, let's move on now to our next question. Why does God allow people of color to go through so much suffering? As we see the race issue being escalated in the world, racism is always something about, you know, um, black people mainly going through racism and through suffering and not just black people, but 
obviously more so black people but as a whole this question is always asked among people of color why do we have to go through so much suffering how would you like to answer this question this evening well first of all there's a false premise there because the jews could say the same uh in the holocaust it was the jews right and i i, I have had the um I've looked. At, I don't think there are there are etchings of the slave boats that brought our forefathers from Africa to the West Indies and to South America and to America, and to to see how human beings were laid out in those boats is truly a it, it's saddening. But equal to that, I think, are what the Jews have had to endure. I've seen pictures coming out of the Holocaust. And by the way, that word Holocaust, the Jews don't like it because it, it, it actually means a burnt offering. They prefer the word Shoah, which means catastrophe. A catastrophe. To say that they endured the Holocaust suggests that they were a burnt offering to some God. And it, it's a, an awkward thing to think that in many Jewish minds today, they think that what happened to them was the fruit of Christianity. Right. In their mind, Adolf Hitler, Joseph Mengele, Klaus Barbie, these butchers, Adolf Eichmann, are, they're all associated with Jesus. So to the Jewish mind, and it's one of the things that motivates me in what we're trying to do in Israel today. So the question isn't a matter of why black people. Right. If you lived in, 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 I mean, what the Japanese did to the Chinese leading up to World War II was unreal. I've seen pictures of that. There have been periods where certain butchers have been allowed to, that to me is the question, why did God allow an Adolf Hitler to live to perpetrate that wickedness? Right. That to me is the question. And I'm not denying that as a black person, um, uh, I've had to endure certain things that, I don't know if you've ever been called nigger, John, but I've been called nigger at least three times in this country. Once when my children, I had twin boys and they, I was pushing the pram on a road and a car came out of nowhere, headed straight for us. I'm pushing my twins headed straight for us and then veered off at the last moment with the guy shouting, nigger! I've had to live with that. Most recently since Trump uh, came into national politics, uh, it, it's happened twice on, um, on the road while jogging. Um, people, I've heard the word shouted out. I no longer feel comfortable in this country. I'm going to tell you the truth. Right. I no longer feel comfortable here. In fact, I want to go back home to Jamaica because at least in Jamaica, I'm a human being. I would rather live under a breadfruit tree, poor. I would rather live with the backs in the caves than have to endure racism in this country because I may lose whatever little Christianity I have. I don't know that I could take being called nigger to my face. Right. Self is likely to rise up. It didn't rise up when I was pushing my children. It didn't rise up when I was jogging, but I know David Mould. I know the hot temper that I grew up with, and I don't want to see it provoked. 
I don't want to see. So I'm not oblivious to what black people have had to go through. But at the same time, I would point to others who have gone through similar things and perhaps even worse. Yeah, so I... Um, I, heard, I heard one preacher, C.D. Brooks, make this point years ago uh, in regard to that same question. And he pointed to Matthew 27, 32 about the cross being placed on Simon. Maybe we can find that. Matthew 27. Right. Matthew 27, 32. Jesus is staggering. And the Bible says, and as they came out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. Him they compelled to bear his cross. Yes. Brooks made the point, which I don't think one can solidly make. He made the assertion that the cross was put on a black man. I say the assertion because the Bible only refers to him as a man of Cyrene. Right. If they had said they found a man of Jamaica, that doesn't necessarily mean he was a black man. We have Chinese in Jamaica. We have Syrian in Jamaica. We have Lebanese in Jamaica. We have the Indians in Jamaica. So saying they found a man of Cyrene isn't necessarily saying they found a black man. It simply says wow. they found a man of Cyrene, even though the majority of Jamaicans where I'm from are of African descent. But Brooks made the point and he said this, they put the cross on a black man and we've been carrying the cross ever since. He may have been black, but I cannot say based on this one verse that it was a black man. What we know is right. that he was from Sandhuin, which is in North Africa, beside Lebanon. I mean, not Lebanon, Libya. Um, you go to Libya today, there are brown people there. Um, and it, it's on the African continent. So I cannot say definitely that black folk have been carrying the cross ever since. But I remember listening to C.D. Brooks make that point. Okay. And I would draw attention to it in, in, in an attempt to answer your question. Right. Okay. Well, our time is moving on. And um, let's now look. And it's asked, if God exists, then why does he allow poverty? Why is there always poor people on this planet? Why, 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 why? That if God exists, to me, is an insult. I don't know how anybody can look up, even through, use modern science and the telescopes. And you look at the galaxies that are out there, the, the billions and billions of planets that are out there, galaxies so far apart, they have to be measured in light years. The distance light travels in a year. How many billions and billions of miles? How can one look at this and say there is no God? How can anybody in his right mind look at, the, the, at, at space, at our planet, and say there is no God? So I reject the premise, if God exists. Right. I would rather look at it and say, why does God allow poverty? Now, one of the things that I've found, and I minister in a section of Jamaica. Whenever I'm in Jamaica, I hang out in a place called Denham Town, which is the murder capital of my homeland, and Tivoli Gardens. 
And yes, there are murderers there. There are people with guns. I can testify. After I'd started getting, you know, after a few years in the community, I remember one day crossing a road and there was a man walking up with a, looked like an M60, just walking up the road with one of his cronies behind him. And I went back upstairs and I said to a friend, was that a real gun? And all I heard was, yes, brother Mola, him run the corner. Yes, brother Mola, he's the don for this area. The guns were there. I crossed the road on another day and about four men walking by with, I didn't see the guns until they were right up on me. And all I heard was one saying, Pastor, he knew me. Nice. I didn't know who he was. I didn't know who they were. But they were on a mission of destruction. Those guns were visible. They were going to kill somebody or rob somebody. But I had become a part of the community and they felt comfortable enough walking by me with their guns. Now listen, while the guns are there and the drugs are there and the whores are there and all manner of evil is there, I'll tell you what else is there. The poor. And here is what God tells us about the poor in James 2.5. You can read that for us, Brother John. Okay, James 2.5. Let me turn to there. Why does he allow poverty? Listen to what the Bible said. Listen to what the Bible says about the poor. Right, it says, Hearken, my beloved brethren, have not God chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith, and heirs of the kingdom, which he have promised to them that love him? Rich in faith. When you have to wake up in the morning not knowing when your ne- where your next meal is coming from, you develop a street-savvy dependence on God. Many of those poor are praying people. Yes, their young men are with guns and they shoot and they kill and they rob and they maim. But there are also people in those communities rich in faith. I remember talking to a man, a middle-class guy who went to live down in Tivoli Gardens. His name was Brother Leo. And I was talking about fasting one day and he laughed at me. He said, fasting? (laughs) He laughed. He said, brother, some of us fast every day. I knew what he was saying. Some of us don't know where our next meal is coming from. But they know what it is to say, Father God, have mercy. Father God, be with me today. Father God. And that's one of the things that attracts me to this section of Jamaica. You're meeting real people who don't have airs about them as though they're better than anybody else. And many of them are rich in faith, just as the Bible says. Yes. And on that point, we're going to have a short break with some music and we'll come back and finalize this discussion. Be back in a moment.
as we round up tonight's discussion based upon the question if God exists and why does he permit so much suffering Elder Mould final thoughts for the discussion this evening you're giving me the last word yes hold on let me get this off of speaker well I'll tell you my mind is still on the song that you were playing. Were you teasing me? Not at all. You were playing little David play on your harp. I said, Brother John's got a sense of humor, you know. Anyway, in all seriousness, yes. my star, it will soon be over. It will soon be over. All the perplexities, all the questions we have about God. This world of sin will soon be over. No more sin, no more suffering, no more pain. The Lord is to put in his appearance and bring this 6,000-year experiment to an end. To an end. Yes. Those are my final thoughts, really. I don't have anything else to say without that. I do long to go home, to go home, and to be able to live with Jesus and to be able to travel from planet to planet, galaxy to galaxy. Yes. I do long for that experience. And I long to see the people for whom I labor, whether it be in newsletters or on radio programs like this, where I speak my mind. People I labor for, I long to see them, the poor, the prostitutes, the prostitutes. Yes. Uh, the prostitutes. I, I pray with prostitutes on the side of the street, Brother John. Yes. And, you know, one of them has ever propositioned me. Not one. But you see them out there selling their bodies. You call them to prayer. And you'll see at least where I labor. If they won't come and hold hands and gather around in a circle and pray with you. That's been my experience. May God bring it all to an end and may he save some of them. Would to God he could save them all. Yes, and I appreciate it. I'm sure many of our listeners would appreciate your candidness tonight because as we discussed in the break, there's no time to waste. There's we're too near the end of time now to be speaking pleasantries. We've just got to speak the plain truth, but in love and by the grace of God accept the realities of this life and hope and trust in his mercy and in his salvation. And on that note, Elder. Can we now end? With, would you like to end with a word of prayer for us live tonight as we round down the show? Well, if you want to know the truth, I, I particularly want to end, but we'll end with a word of prayer. Oh, here we go. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for this time that we've just spent. Thank you for giving us of your Holy Spirit. And for those who may not be accustomed to such plain speaking, May they wake up before it's too late. Amen. Require this of your children. You require plain speech. Lord, help us. Help us. Draw near. Prepare the speaker for next week's program. Be with Brother John. Help him as he continues his ministry voice in the wilderness. Lord, help him as he edits videos, as he puts these things together, as he prints his books. Lord, may they scatter like, like the leaves of autumn. Amen. Bless us, we ask. We hunger and thirst after righteousness. Cleanse us, we pray. 
in the worthy name of Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. Amen. Amen. If you have any questions or if you'd like more information, then please send an email to inquiries at wildernesspublications.org or you can send a text message to 07944-062-786. As a follow-up to the show tonight, if you live in the United Kingdom, please contact us with your name and address and we will send you a free track called Why Was Sin Permitted? Those who are living outside the UK can request for an electronic version to be sent to them free. If you have the Android app for Voice in the Wilderness Internet Radio, go to the ebook section, then find the title Bible Readings for the Home. At chapter 7, you'll find the subject Sin. This will give you more information about today's topic. Moving on, on next week's show, we will be discussing the question, Who is Jesus? And we'll be looking at the humanity of Christ. Well, that's it for tonight's show. Until next week, good night. And God bless. Voice in the Wilderness, Internet Radio. Enlightening the world every week. It's not just knowing about the doctrine in the Bible. That is not what we stand for here. Streaming powerful, biblically-based messages live down the This congregation may never be gathered together again as we see it. Voice in the Wilderness, Internet Radio. Enlightening the world every week.